This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. A bit of an emergency podcast for us here tonight, Lee. We usually kind of, uh, you know, wait for uh, events uh, and, and kind of reflect on them after a period of time. Uh, but this is such a big event, I, I think, and we both agree, uh, for soccer in South Florida and for one of the teams down here that it really uh, required us to kind of jump in and, and focus solely on it tonight. By the way, Lee Ufen's with us tonight. Lee, how you doing, buddy? I'm um, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> it's been. I'm surprised. Um, uh, but I'm good. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy kind of day. Didn't see this coming. Um, we we didn't really get a heads up on this or anything like that. But uh, other than that, I'm doing good. Looking forward to my Christmas. Nice little nice little early Christmas present from the USL for me for us here to open. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it actually it's a, a good time as any since you, you already kind of answered the question. Uh, the unused substitutes are friends over in Tampa who we'll be uh, seeing and talking with again soon, uh, in, in, in case you don't know. Uh, they uh, We put out kind of a call for questions, and they asked, was this from out of nowhere or had there been whispers of it happening? Um, and, of course, if you don't know, I guess, good job on me presenting. Uh, if you don't know, Miami FC, the Miami FC announced this afternoon that they would be moving from uh, the National Independent Soccer Association to USL Championship, which is from Division Three to Division Two, uh, it's a long, strange trip that we will uh, detail in, in in more detail in just a few minutes. But I think that's the first thing that we really kind of need to break down. Uh, we were not aware of of whispers or, or hints of this at all, at all. And you know, as a you know, we 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 do fancy ourselves a news gathering organization. Um, you know, we, we bring a fan perspective as well, but we do we we do news from time to time. Um, you know, not always the best thing to admit that we were totally blindsided by an enormous story. But um, um, Jeff Reuter at the Athletic was the first to really tip folks off to it, and, and really within a matter of minutes, the league and the team were confirming his original reports, or a matter of hours, I guess. But but pretty soon thereafter. Uh, the press releases were released, um, and yeah, it, I'm totally blindsided by this, Lee. Uh, that, that to me is one of the most surprising aspects of all of this, is that in these last four years, we've had an idea of what this team, what this club was trying to do. Whether they were man, able to carry it off or not, you, you had an idea of what they were shooting for. I had no inclination that they were shooting to get into USL Championship for Spring 2020. No, exactly the same boat, Matthew. I mean, I've had a little time to reflect on it, and it's one of those things that going back and sort of piecing a few things together, and there was little clues maybe out there. I'd heard a couple of bits and pieces from from certain like quarters, some very close to the club, some not so close, but never in my wildest dreams when I woke up this morning. And in fact, I, I remember seeing in the morning like the press release from Nisa about you know, the club's being ratified, Chattanooga, Detroit City, Oakland Roots and Michigan Stars. And um, and, I, and I came, I, I was kind of like, you know, upbeat about that. You know, we, we had Chattanooga down here in the MPSL 
Um, and that was a cracking game. And you know, as we know, we we do this, we do the streaming for the club. And and I was kind of my tail was up, thinking, ah, oh, can't wait to get Chattanooga back down here. Can't wait for Detroit to uh, to come down here finally. And then, bam! About like two o'clock, you know, I see this thing from uh, from the Athletic, and uh, I'm like, wow. Well, it's changed completely. And that's not to say that um, you know I'm happy or sad about the decision. But I mean, talk about a turnaround. It was a total turnaround and no we had no idea this was coming i think that there's there's more to this and i'm very curious what the more is and it's something that we're going to need to kind of poke and prod about over the next few days and weeks as we build up to the kickoff of of usl 2020 but i'm really fascinated by how this developed what the thought process was by the club how they come to this decision. There are obvious benefits to it, and we're going to do our best to really, do, you know, within, say, a 30-minute span, try to really break down all, all the facets of this. But I, I want to talk about the why. Um, why do you think, Lee, now is the time for Miami FC to make this decision? Well, I mean, there's there's a few layers here, and I think, number one, you're looking at, this market becoming extremely competitive with an MLS franchise launching very, very soon. Well, they're, I mean, they're already launched. They're up, they're running, and they'll be starting play, um, you know, in, in 2020. And I think everyone has to look at that and appreciate that that is a factor. Uh, you, you're competing with that, and it's, I don't want to say a fickle marketplace, but, you know, people have got options of where they can go and, and watch soccer. So I think... I don't know if that forced the hand, but certainly if someone comes along and says, hey, there's this opportunity to, uh, I don't want to say take out or a spot, because that's not, that's not what's happening here. But I think, uh, you know, let me backtrack a little bit. I mean, the whole thing with the National Independent Soccer Association, like, I was a big fan of that. But you have to look at that, you know, we went through that whole showcase and, you know, in our, in our East region, we, we kind of won that East final quite, I don't want to say easily either, but we were expected to win it and we did. And I'm kind of thinking that we maybe we're going into a situation which is a better fit for the product we can put onto the field. And I think that's the most diplomatic way I can put it. And I think in two ways, I think it's, it's probably going to be a situation where we can put a good squad together and challenge for that USL championship in the first season. Um, no question, we will make the playoffs. When you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Um, I think probably it's fair on the players. We've had some very one-sided games in the last year, um, in the last two years, really. Um, the reasons for it, you would have to ask the club, like like we say, we, we, we're not the club, we're not part of the club, we're not employees of the club. And sometimes, it, this is the sport, this is soccer, sometimes you're presented with an opportunity in a moment and you have to decide whether you take it or not. And we've decided to take it. And, um, and now we just have to make the best of it, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated by, to me... The interpersonal dynamics between a Ricardo Silva and the leadership of USL and how that has evolved over the last few years, I think that's a key mm -hmm. piece to this story. 
because coming out of the failure of NASL in, in 2017, out of, out of the decertification of NASL, this is a good place the failure, to start, Matt. Yeah. Yes, I mean, really, if you're going to start, you might as well go back to the beginning, right? And the beginning is at the end of the North American Soccer League. Um, one would have thought that if Miami FC were interested in joining USL, they would have been able to join USL. Speaking a little bit uh, ill-informed, I don't know all the players and all the pieces of that entire story, but one would have figured if the club was interested in making that leap, then they could have found a way to do it. But we do know some of the outside factors that led the club to not make that choice, including its challenges to uh, some and uh, and the U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, how those challenges have evolved, whether those challenges are still in place by the club and how they're pursuing them, I think that's a very important question that we need an answer to over the next few weeks. And that has nothing to do with the on-field product, and that has nothing to do with you know player acquisition that has everything to do with ownership and top leadership and i think that's a really important question to ask is the is the open soccer project on hiatus is it is it dead is it something that's being brought with the club to usl what is usl's view on all that um those are all i think really important questions to bring to the forefront uh on the other hand which I'm coming into this from from an analytical, like, let's poke and prod at this point. On the other hand, you get back into second division. And I think on, on the face of it, and to put it quite simply, that's a hell of a carrot to chase after. To be able to be back in that position, to have, uh, you know, all the, the, the media accoutrement and all the, you know, really appealing matchups... Uh, that exist in USL for Miami, you know, being able to play Tampa again, uh, you know, yeah. that's something that's been really missed these last few years. You know, the Rowdies are such a natural rival. Um, just being able to play Tampa again is going to be awesome. And so there are so many great things about this move that make sense, but this is not a normal team deciding to sign up with USL. There's nothing about Miami FC that's ever normal. Huh. It is an abnormal club in so many ways, in ways that are fantastic, its ability to win on the field over these last three years, and that are strange. And and, and this is, I think, one of those things that are both. Uh, you know, a new challenge with, with probably a higher level of talent, although we'll have to see how Nisa develops. Um, but there, there are still so many questions that this particular move opens up. Well, I think, Matt, <clears throat> I think one of the things to tackle early on is, you know, the, the opportunity of joining the USL for 2018 and 2020 um, is, is two very different things. Now, two years is not a long time in soccer in any other part of the world. But in the United States of America, in 24 months, a whole lot can happen. And, you know, since... Since then, you know, USL have bought in USL League One, rebranded PDL as USL League Two, and there are huge rumblings that you know, Pro Rel could come um, in within that system. Now, I, I'm in favour of Pro Rel. I'm not a big though Pro Rel dealer or anything. I think when the time is right, it can happen and it can be a success. But w again, we're not party to these kind of dis discussions internally within leagues within clubs. 
And if someone has said, you know, he, our, our intention is to have this kind of like promotion and relegation between D2 and D3, maybe that's a better fit for Miami FC than the, you know, the rumblings of pro-rel between NISA, MPSL, maybe even UPSL. We don't know how those leagues are talking. So I think in a nutshell, that the USL is a slightly different proposition now. And maybe, maybe it's just now it is a better fit for, for Miami FC. Maybe those few like negative about joining in 2018 are gone. And maybe it's a, it's a little bit more appealing now for the aims of Ricardo Silva and, um, and the leadership of the club. I think that the, the leadership of the club has, has a few questions to answer. And again, I don't say this in terms of like, you've got to answer some <laughs> questions, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but I mean in the sense that like I'm I'm curious. I want to know. Like I really would like to know the thought process behind this. I think the other group, and, and I alluded to a second ago, um, that has some questions to answer, and and not just about Miami FC, but about the goals and objectives and ambitions of the league itself is uh, Jake Edwards and 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 those who run USL. Because I do think if you look at the decisions that the USL has made over the last two years or so, it does appear to be a very different league than the ambitions it had, say, three or four years ago. And so this is, to me, one of the reasons that we speculated that Miami FC might have been persona non grata uh, in among the USL circles three years ago was Inter-Miami. That having a USL side within essentially spitting distance of an MLS side was going to be frowned upon. That's apparently not a problem anymore. And we've seen that because USL is, you know, not abandoning markets like Austin where an MLS side is coming in. And so that that does lead credence to what you're saying, Lee, is that the US, USL 2020 and USL 2018, even though it's only a couple of years, does reflect a different viewpoint about how they're going to try to run things. And I also think what's very interesting, and I don't want to make this, and I think you you avoided doing this, and I, I, I kind of want to do this as well. This is not a, necessarily an MLS versus USL play in terms of you know uh, pitting the leagues against one another. But at the same time, as we have alluded to before, and as you've particularly alluded to before, Inter-Miami is not going to be in Miami for kickoff 2020. And at this point, there's no reason to believe it's going to be in Miami for 2022, which is their projected kickoff time at Miami Freedom Park. Right now, it's TBD. Being able to credibly go to the soccer crowd of South Florida, which, as we've talked about before, has its fickle nature and has its its ability to, you know, the, the squirrel chasing the, uh, the bright red ball and can okay. get distracted. Um, to be able to put a team on the field in West Miami-Dade County in 2020 compared with north of Fort Lauderdale in 2020 is potentially really taking this all the way back to 2015 when this club was launched mm-hmm. putting a product on the field when the product didn't exist at the MLS level i think what may be going through the minds of Miami FC is there's still not going to be an MLS product in Miami-Dade County in 2020 and there's not going to be one in 2021 and there might not be one in 2022 or beyond Let's put something on the field now that people can see, utilizing a league that can drive enough attention to justify a Ricardo Silva stadium. Can Nisa get there? I think absolutely. I think Nisa, uh, I've been fascinated by the association and, and its growth, and particularly on the West Coast during this fall showcase. But USL is a proven product. 
USL has a TV deal. Um, USL has distribution rights that have been acquired by ESPN, which is a big media uh, you know, venture, of course. So I think there there is a lot to be said about opportunity and establishing oneself. You know, I think back to, uh, you know, uh, four years of college, I lived four different places. As soon as I uh, moved out from college, I spent about nine months sleeping on couches because I wanted to buy a place to live. And I was going to do that come hook or crook because once I moved in where I live now, which is where I still live after almost 10 years, I said, damn it, I'm not, I'm not filling another moving box for as long as I can hold off. I don't want to move anymore. I don't want instability. I want to breathe. And maybe this is just simply Miami FC wanting to breathe, having a little bit of stability. And stability is not a bad thing. Yeah, and you know, we we can't we can't avoid the fact that there has been a change of leadership within the club locally as well. Um, and we know that, that Sean Flynn was a was a huge sort of champion of the whole independent soccer thing. And I think Paul Dalglish has a different philosophy. And I'm not going to say one philosophy is better or worse because I don't think one philosophy is better or worse. But times are changing, um, and then we're going to get into the whole thing of, you know, are we? Is it an independent club anymore? When you move to the USL, you go on. I mean, US Soccer Twitter. You go onto there and it's split right down the middle. Whether people think that USL clubs are truly independent, or whether it is the equivalent of selling your soul to the devil to continue to exist to be part of that thing now wait, wait a minute wait a minute are you saying there are strident folks on soccer twitter <laughs> i'm shocked <laughs> i'm shocked there's gambling in this establishment well i've never um yeah go ahead yeah Sorry, there's, um, and, and 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 there is maybe merit in both arguments but um you, it's a difficult one and i think that you have to make allowances for the situation we're in in miami i mean you say that you, you say the word fickle. I still don't know if that's quite the right word, but you know we were there at Barry University, and it's amazing how people are unwilling to make a twenty-minute drive to Barry University to watch the club. Um, you know the difference between playing on a Saturday and a Sunday. I mean, these are all factors. It's you know it's it, moving back to Ricardo Silva Stadium, playing in a Division Two league on a on a Saturday is going to bring more people in. And, you know, if, if the, the club wants to be at the centre of the community, the club wants to be at the heart of the community. So on that basis, it's completely the right decision because it's going to bring more of the community in. So on that basis, the decision is the correct decision. Um, we're leaving behind Nisa and I'm gutted about it. I'm really, really gutted about that. Um, but I think that there may be a, a small sigh of relief around some of those clubs that, well, at least we don't have to get past Miami <laughs> FC to win this thing no more. Um, you know, we were at a level that we shouldn't have been. We have the backing, you know, we do have the silver spoon in, the, in our mouths and we can't help that. That's the situation we're in and that's the club we've adopted. That's the club I support. That's the club I now love. And I can't change that. We can't change that. And maybe it's fairer for the clubs that are, you know, at a different, a different stage in their development that can't compete with the payroll that we can put together and that sort of thing, it's fairer for them to have a fair fight amongst themselves. And it's if we're going to be part of the community, we need people. And uh, the attendances at a lower level were not good enough. You know, we're not, we're not Detroit, we're not Chattanooga. We, we can't bring in those people 
at that kind of level. If we have to go up a division to bring in a community, to be a community club, then that's what we have to do. And that's a good decision. I, I think that a big factor for Miami FC in all of this, and it's something that uh, pretty much every sports organization has had to deal with in South Florida forever. Uh, you know, I've, I've you're the expert here. Like, I'm a comparative newbie. Like, I'm a green... <laughs> well, like I say I'm well, a green guy. We're both green guy. But, um, but you, know, you know, you know the sports market more than me. Like, I'm a soccer guy through and through. You know more about the football, the basketball, the hockey, the college stuff. And you, so, yeah, you, you, you tell me because I don't know. You, you, Miami is a weird dichotomy. I've been working on a project recently about, like, Miami sports history. And the you could argue that the greatest home field advantage in American professional and collegiate sports both belong to the city of Miami. The longest home winning streak in the NFL history in the NFL's history for like 40 years was the Dolphins during the 70s. The longest collegiate football home winning streak was the Hurricanes at the Orange Bowl in the 80s and 90s. And it wasn't just an accident. It was because people turned up and were passionate, even if it was not necessarily a sellout. The people you got were disruptive, you know. So to Miami's often characterized as a bad sports city, and, and that's not necessarily the case. I don't there think are, that's fair either, Matt. I think it's just, it's a bit different. It is different, and it requires one of two things. Ease of access, or both, preferably. Ease of access and winning. Mm-hmm. If you are able to provide tremendous ease of access to the games, if, say, like an Orange Bowl, centrally located for Miami in the 50s and 60s and 70s, where the population center was downtown and immediately around it, people will turn out, generally, unless the team's a stinker, in which that that goes true for everybody. But the population centers in Miami have shifted westward and southward. And so it's why FIU or Tropical Park, as we've talked about before, in my opinion, were more viable options for MLS or, or, or you know, Inter-Miami's reserve squad. It would have worked because that is an area where people actually are. Miami FC has done the winning. The ease of access has been difficult. When they were at FIU in NASL, and you know we talked about issues with attendance there, but it was improving. By that second year, with that team winning, making its run the Open Cup, it was getting better. And then everything gets blown up. And, and they are forced to move all the way across the county. Yeah. This gives them the ability to go back to square one and build from where they've wanted to be all along. And if you can provide that stability and you can be kind of good, people will show. That's always been the recipe in Miami. Ease of access and winning. The, the Panthers will never draw a big crowd. Why? Because they're in the Everglades. They'll get some people from Broward, and Broward is their center, but that's not a Miami team because it's not easy to access. And I know Omar will uh, hop on here any second. I'm sure he's a little bit under the weather. He would have joined us tonight. Uh, you know, he, he is a Panthers fan, but and he will say, you know, going up 75, it's actually not that bad. But it's so far away. I'm never just going to go to a Panthers game because people go to Heat games. Even when the team is bad, people go to Heat games. Miami, the Miami Heat have been in the top 15, the top half of NBA attendance for pretty much every year since 2000. And there were some stinky years in there. There was a 15 and, and 
50 year, I think, or something along those lines. I, I can't do math. But um, yeah, they, they stunk and still drew pretty okay crowds because it's accessible. It's downtown. There's public transportation that gets there. One of the only venues in this town that actually does have pretty decent public transportation to get to. People will go. And so if Miami FC can establish itself in a place where the people are, as you said, if this is going to be a people's club, you've got to be where the people are. And Barry was a, a, an awesome venue. I really enjoyed it. But Miami Shores is not necessarily where a, a, you have a big chunk of the population. Yeah, it's oh, I mean, Miami uh, Miami Shores, but the Barry University, I mean, it's, a, it's a fantastic field. And, uh, you, know, you know, you can't deny that. But it's, um, it's, it's a trek. I mean, for me, it was ideal because I lived downtown and it was just up the road. But like you say, you, you know, you, you start off down in the, in the southwest of Miami-Dade County and then you're asking people to, to drive, you know, all that way to, to, to play teams that you've never heard of and that you're going to beat up. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a difficult pro- it's a difficult proposition. I mean, we're, we're touching on some of the, you know, the business aspects of it now and, then, you know, in terms of a business and everyone here always tells me that soccer is a business and, you know, I would tell them that no, Soccer is a sport, and then you, you know you just got to keep the the books in order. But it's soccer is a business here. Everyone keeps telling it to me, so it must be true. So it's a soccer is a business decision. You know, it's 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 again, it's the right. It's it's looks like the right decision because, like you just said, Matt. You know, there are these factors, these boxes that you need to tick to make it a successful business in this part of the world. Yeah, and, and I, I do think that this move will, will help in that sense for sure. And you're more likely to attract a general sports fan. I mean, we, we have talked ourselves blue in the face trying to explain to people the different levels of, of American soccer, fourth division versus, you know, if there even is a fourth division. Well, there's not a third division this year, but there's going to be one next year. And there's a second division, but there were two leagues in the second division, but now there's one. And at some point it becomes exhausting. And, you know, there's it's a political saying. I think it was Ronald Reagan who said it, but... Uh, if you're explaining, you're losing. Mm-hmm. And Miami FC has had to do so much explaining in the last few years, largely through not their fault, N- not through anything that they would have wanted to do, but essentially through what they had to do. Uh, and, and again, this lets them establish themselves and breathe. I think the questions that remain, one, what changed since 2017? Two, how does this affect the club's ambitions going forward? How does it affect the club's ability to build going forward? You know, you mentioned the silver spoon that we laugh about so much, which is just a wonderful turn of phrase. Um, but how will that be impacted, limited, affected by USL? Um, third, is there still, you know, hashtag open soccer? And is that part of why Miami FC is going to USL now? Or is that something that's going to be subdued? as they come into USNL now. And fourth, I think for the 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 fans of the club and then people that follow it, what's that what's the game day experience going to be like now coming back to FIU for the for the folks that have remained through these the this this exodus, this journey, now that you're coming back to the stadium, they're going to be kind of, you know, the returning expectations of what life is like at uh, on campus at FIU. So how, how is that going to affect fans positively and negatively? Um, 
I think, you know, we wanted to come on and kind of flesh this out and talk it out a bit, but I think, Lee, to be honest, there's still just going to be even more questions to wrestle with over the next few weeks. There is, and you just mentioned it there. I think from the point of view of the players and the fans and both those sets of people really do count in this game. You know, if I'm a player, like playing for Miami FC now, and I'm hearing this news today, I'm happy because like, I've got kids, I've got rent, I've got a mortgage to pay, whatever. If, if, if I'm looking at a stable league where, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of the rules of the league as much as I do some of the other leagues, but if, if players can get a good living wage in, in Miami, pick up a two or three year contract, play for this team, for, a, for the players, I think it's probably very, very good piece of news. You know, we've gone through the NPSL years where they're playing, you know, just in the spring. Um, if, I'm, I'm, I'm with the players. If it's good news for the players, then, then then I'm for it. And then, of course, you know, the fans are important too. The fans want competitive games. The fans want an atmosphere. And um, and if we're going to get that as well, then, then, then we've got to be happy about that too. I mean, Matt, you've been there with me in that day brigade end in the Ricardo Silver Stadium. And we've had some great nights in there. We've had some great nights in there in, in the NASL and in the Open Cup. And if we're going to get to recreate that again, then it's, uh, then it's good news for the fans. Now, we, we can talk to a blue in the face about are we letting people down? Are we letting other clubs down? Are we letting other leagues down? I think, think uh, Nisa is probably going to be okay. Um, I think the clubs are probably going to be okay. They're going to find the clubs that are the right fit. I think the timing doesn't look good. I mean, pulling out of the MPSL, um, the uh, the Founders Cup, jumping to Nisa, pulling out of Nisa and jumping to USL, it doesn't look good, and there's there's no way I can say it looks good. But for the long term future, the medium term future of this club, we have a good track record of uh, of looking to those long term those long term needs and goals. And if people who are smarter than me and people who are bankrolling this team and putting up the money want to go into the USL then all we can do is uh, turn up and cheer for the team. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan above everything else. I will leave the business and the politics for everyone else. Um, I will turn up and cheer for that team. If this is what the people who are running this team want, then I will support them. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we cover all of South Florida soccer on this podcast and on our website, and and I'm I'm personally I know we all are very proud of that. I you know I feel like we give everyone a fair shake. We try to cover everything up and down. Sometimes life gets busy, and and you know things get dropped here and there, and people will be sure, certain to let us know that we should be covering this, that, or the other. But we we try to do our best to cover everything. But if we I think we both and and pretty much everyone that that makes up our team, we've got to admit we have a soft spot for Miami FC. Because it was really the team that kind of brought us all together, right? Like, just the five of us, you know, we were all soccer fans who lived down here, but really our, our interactions had been limited or not at all. And it was this, it was this particular team, we, we were all, had different levels of interest in MLS or in the further lower levels, but we all saw an opportunity like, hey, there's going to actually be soccer, let's go watch that. And, you know, whether it's just until MLS shows up or goes longer, let's go watch it. And so there's always this soft spot for uh, Miami FC, and so yeah, it is one of those things that we're we're on board with this club, sink or swim, whatever it's going to be. 
you know, you, you want to see it be as successful as possible. And you've got to kind of trust that the folks who are running it and, and signing the checks and doing all those things, the, the politics you referred to, know what they're doing and have a direction. But long story short, what we cover, even though we do cover some of that political machination as well, we cover soccer. Yeah. And so it, it's going to be fun to be able to go to Ricardo Silva Stadium again. It's going to be fun to see some teams that we're familiar with, some, some, some teams that we have some history with, and be able to match up with them again. And, and all the other stuff, you know, how it impacts NISA, you know, how it impacts uh, advocates of pro-rel, advocates of open soccer, those are all important questions to discuss. But that's all going to kind of fade away, at least for a few hours when the team kicks off in March. Like, because it's, it's just going to be about seeing the team play again. And every offseason that we've had with this team <laughs> since 2017, or I guess going back to 2016, there has always been that question. Are they going to kick off again? Are we going to see him play again? Where are they going to play? And this offseason actually didn't have that. And not only did this offseason not have that, it had, uh, you know, them moving up. And so it's hard to it's hard to really gnash teeth and, and wail and moan about whatever you think may be disadvantageous about USL. And I think there are people that could have legitimate questions and want, want to have them answered. But long story short, the team is moving into second division professional soccer where you'll be able to see them, not just in person, but you'll be able to see uh, you know, a representation of them in media and elsewhere, online. And, and I think that, that's a net good. And again, for the fan, I, I think it's really beneficial. I think, I think that's true. And the other thing is, like, I hate to harp on about this fact that Miami is different. You know, it's not that Miami is different to everywhere else. It is that everywhere in the United States of America has its own unique challenges. And even in terms of geography and finding somewhere to play. I mean, our home ground is Ricardo Silver Stadium. But it's kind of absurd to try and play third and fourth division soccer there if people aren't going to turn up for it. And yeah. it's, you know, and equally... There's no way we could have hoped to have played USL in Barry, say, because it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of thousand people and you've filled it. So it's, we don't have we don't have the luxury of taking over a baseball stadium. <laughs> I say that, but Marlins Park is down the road. A couple more bad <laughs> seasons, maybe we could. But in all seriousness, there's, you know, you drive around this city. You look at this city on Google Maps, the satellite view on baseball diamond, baseball diamond, baseball diamond, football, football field, football field, football field. Everyone, I know this one fact about American football. This part of the world produces like more quality American footballers than anywhere else. Is that fair to say? That's yeah, not, that's not uncontroversial. Folks in Texas and California would dispute that, but they're wrong. <laughs> but there's but there's nowhere that we can take over and you know either build like a six, seven, eight thousand seat stadium or you know move it into. So you know we have Ricardo Silver Stadium, but you don't want to be rattling around there with eight hundred people, and so. <laughs> If we have to, going into USL will bring, it will bring more people in and, you know, it'll pick up the tails of sponsors who want to be involved with it. And, uh, you know, it's, I've gone through all those stages of, of emotions today. It was like shock and then anger and then acceptance and everything. And it's like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan and everyone always says that the, the clubs are more important than the leagues and for the longevity of this club to keep this little fire I'm not, no not little to keep this fire burning in Miami this this, yes. this Miami FC fire burning um, there's a few downsides there's a few things that are negative about it but there's a lot of upside and there's a lot of potential for the future and I think that 
sometimes people are far too negative and I think that we will bring something to the USL to you know we, we play good football and we're going to stick to those um, we're going to stick to those principles Paul Dalglish has instilled this Miami way into the team Nelson Vargas is coming in and he's surely going to keep that going we bring something to the USL as much as USL is you know taking us on and I do want to mention Ottawa Fury as well because I think the whole situation with Ottawa Fury is kind of ludicrous I think in another part of the world this wouldn't be happening and of course I'm a Swansea boy my hometown team has existed only because it plays in a league that is essentially outside of the country that it's located in and I think what's happened to Ottawa is very very unfair I don't think they should have been de-sanctioned I think it's I think it's ridiculous. They should have been grandfathered in, just like Vancouver and Montreal and uh, and Toronto, and uh, shouldn't really come to this. We shouldn't we shouldn't be taking this spot from Ottawa. But at the end of the day, they're getting something out of it. They're selling this, you know, this. How do you describe this? They're selling this spot to uh, to Miami FC. So at least there's some good in there as well. But uh, we can only continue doing what we do which is beating teams, winning trophies, and that's what Miami FC does, and long may that continue in the USL Championship. Um, people can have their opinions on if we should have done this or not, but it's happened, and, uh, and we should be happy about it. We should be happy about it, because I think it guarantees the future of this club uh, indefinitely, and maybe that wouldn't necessarily have been the case if we just stayed in MPSL or NISA. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the key word for today for Miami FC, and it's not necessarily a sexy word, uh, but it's stability. And I think if you're a fan, ultimately, that is one of the things you're looking at for your club. You ultimately want stability and victory. You want to be winning a lot. And Miami FC have had that on the field, but that's kind of the only place they've had stability in the last few years. And I think now, he said, not wanting to jinx it, now we can look at Miami FC as a team that has a, a path forward that includes short to medium term stability. And ultimately, any instability that would come into play would not really be of their own doing. It would be what would be happening with the league overall. And it no longer has to fight the fights alone, mm-hmm. which is basically where it's been since 2017. You know, that e- even when it was aligned with the Cosmos. They weren't necessarily always on the same page. Yeah. And so what if it was actually a quote-unquote league fight, the league fight was usually involving those two teams, and those two teams were not always necessarily aligned. And, and, and you know, with the Cosmos joining Nisa, that was something I looked at as kind of, oh, boy, how is this going to work out? Because Miami have seen the Cosmos, you know, a rivalry is there in terms of on-the-field play, but in terms of off-the-field collaboration or lack thereof, there has been rivalry there as well. And so this de-escalates that and, you know, puts Miami FC in a league of teams where it, it would not have to fight these fights alone. Yeah, and for, when when the likes of Indy 11 and North Carolina and Tampa left NASL, it killed the NASL. You know, it, it had this domino effect and I don't necessarily see Miami FC leaving Nisa having that same effect. Um, I think criticism of the move is warranted, but... Uh, yeah, I just can't wait to take my picture with that USL Championship trophy in November 2020. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, Real Monarchs, we're coming for you. Yep. 
uh, that's uh, it's it's gonna be it it will be fun and and there was I think it's a good a point to uh to to leave as any uh, this uh, reply that we got from uh, the news earlier on our story uh, via who is a follower of us on Twitter at JVL underscore five his reply to the news was March is going to be very interesting and yep. March is going to be very interesting in South Florida soccer it is going to be busy. We're going to need to be brewing our cafecitos every morning to stay awake because it, there's going to be a ton of stuff to cover. Uh, Lee, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Tonight? Yeah, just, you know, as always, we do cover everything from top to bottom. Uh, congratulations to the Florida Soccer Soldiers on their UPSL championship, uh, well, their regular season championship again. There'll be some playoffs going on there. And, of course, we do have Pro Rel in this part of the world. And from that Florida South division, Looks like Miami United, their uh, their UPSL team will be coming up. So um, I I believe that we we may have some uh, we may have I don't know if I can break this I don't know if any, everyone knows this am I going to get in trouble for this I I believe that there may be some UPSL um, playoff games whether it's the Florida games or maybe the national games down here um, I don't know maybe not the national games but certainly we're going to have some UPSL playoff games down here soon that's always going to be fun and of course. Uh, yeah, Miami United will still be in the MPSL. Um, we've got plenty coming on. We've got we've got we've got a lot going on in March, and it doesn't just it's Miami FC and Inter Miami. It's not the be all and end all. We're so lucky down here, Matt. We've got so much footy to go and watch. I could like walk out of this apartment right now and go and watch someone kicking a ball around uh, on uh, on a on a six v six field somewhere. We're quite fortunate. It it really is. You know, we we are. Uh... You know, uh, so many options. Clubs forming at different levels. Um, you know, uh, Miami Beach CF is is trying to get organized and underway. And uh, you know, just a few moments ago, uh, Miami uh, Inter Miami, uh, their academy team uh, got done playing uh, the the um, Barcelona uh, under 14s in the ICC Futures. You know, taking on kids from uh, La Masia. Uh, from Barcelona, that was a cool experience for them. There, there are a lot of wheels in motion, man, and it's sometimes hard for us to keep up. But uh, you know, we do our best and and uh, try to cover all that. And Miami FC dominate the uh, the the front page today. It'll be Inter tomorrow. There'll be soccer soldiers. Uh, you know, uh, Charlotte Independence actually had one of the best <laughs> tweets of the day. Uh, you know, commenting on welcoming uh, Miami FC to the league. And basically, it was welcome Miami FC. Let's agree to not talk about so- Florida Soccer Soldiers. Uh, a really funny oh. reference to the Soccer Soldiers is a U.S. Open Cup run where they knocked out both Miami and Charlotte. So a uh, hat tip to, to the social media team and, uh, uh, up in North Carolina. And, of course, Matt, we, we, a couple of interesting like matches there in the, in the USL. I mean, if Ariel Martinez has gone to Tulsa, he's going to have to come straight back to Miami to play us. <laughs> Um, that's going to be an interesting, I mean, if he scores, he won't celebrate. Uh, that's, that's the one thing I know for sure about this whole situation. If Ariel Martinez scores <laughs> against Miami <laughs> FC, he won't celebrate. But yeah, uh, Charlotte Independence, and of course they have uh, one of my lo- lower league favourites, Valentin Sabella. I'll be trying to kidnap him at the airport, making sure he can't get on the field as well. But uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. Yes, interesting times. We are... Living in interesting times. Uh, so, Lee, as always, thank you very much, sir, for your insight, your commentary, and and for everything. We haven't really talked like this since the uh, the Nisa I had to, I had to go on, I had to go into the dictionary and, and, and put in podcast and find out what it was again. And 
I have to read down. Yeah. I have to re-download all my apps and everything to do this. No, I'm really joking. <laughs> no, it's good. To, it's good. It's good to chat. It's good to chat about soccer. And uh, at the end of the day, the game, the sport, is what's important. And growing it and those steps and getting out there, cheering for your local team, checking out whatever lower leagues you have down there when your team isn't playing. That's what's important, and that's what we do. Yes, indeed. So, uh, again, thank you, sir, uh, for Lee Fence. I've been Matthew Bunch. As always, thank you so much for joining us on social media, on our website, and, of course, here on the show tonight. So until next time, go Miami FC on to USL Championship, and go Miami Soccer. <laughs>